Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I'm Sabrina Artel and this is Trailer Talk. And I'm really happy to introduce you to my guest. We are going to be having a conversation about something that is weighing very heavily on me, actually, as a longtime resident in the Sullivan County Catskills. I live in Liberty, New York. There's a situation that is escalating in my home, my home place, that for me is a very sacred place that holds deep value that I couldn't even begin to describe. I am welcoming Cora Edwards and Jennifer Grossman into this conversation because of who they are as residents of the Sullivan County Catskills and their areas of deep knowledge. Cora Edwards is one of the founders of the Swan Lake Coalition, fighting back against unsafe development in her neighborhood. She was the Democratic Commissioner for the Sullivan County Board of Elections and also a legislator in Liberty and Hurleyville. Jennifer Grossman is an environmental attorney with a decades-long career, currently advises Catskill Mountain Keeper and also is working with communities around this issue of unsustainable development. I am now going to turn to them as we begin this conversation about development. What does that mean in a rural and small town county where we live and why coalition building and organizing has begun in the face of unhealthy, unsafe kinds of development, and what's at risk in this place that I call home. Welcome, Cora, and welcome, Jennifer. Thanks, Sabrina, and hello to everyone out there in Trailer Talk land. Yes, thank you so much for inviting us to speak on such an important topic. And and you're right, Sabrina, there is a very serious threat that we are facing now, and immediate action is required. So this discussion tonight is critical. So thank you. Why is this issue so critical? What is being faced here in the Sullivan County Catskills? I think that for a very long time, going even back to the 1880s, when Liberty was a sanctuary for people coming out of the city with TB, they had all the sanatorium over in Loomis, and fresh air, clean water, healthy food. Since a long time has attracted people to this area. So when you start to see people who don't abide by the town code, building codes, the zoning codes, or try to circumvent the processes, it starts to make you feel um, you have to do something. You have to do something. And a lot of people have become very empowered and inspired by seeing that There's a group here, there's a group in Rock Hill, there's a group in Liberty, there's a group in Fallsburg, there's a group in Loch Sheldrake, there's a group, you know, from Mamacating up to Livingston Manor, there are people and groups in Neversink. So all these spots are like we're protecting the area that means, like you were saying, so much to us in terms of clean water, wetlands, wildlife, and everything that we want to protect and preserve for the future. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's that horrible cliche, which unfortunately is true. You don't realize what you've got till it's gone. And we really, we don't want to experience that here. We know what we've got. What we've got is a gem. 
The Catskill region is a gem for New York State. And as you said, Cora, they were the visionaries in the late 1800s when establishing the Catskill Forest Preserve, the value of mountains, pristine waters, abundant natural areas, and they protected it via the New York State Constitution. It's one of the very few natural areas across the country that are protected by a state constitution. That requires two consecutive legislative changes in a row, plus a public referendum to change that. And that would never happen. The Catskill Forest Preserve is sacred. We also know that we're recognized just nationally renowned for one of the best trout fisheries, the best um, hiking areas in the country. And again, that's because of the preservation efforts that have been taken and implemented and honored throughout this last century and a half that has allowed this, the quality of the resources to maintain. So when we do see the thwarting of the time-honored home rule, which is a municipality's authority to control its land use, when that home rule is thwarted or ignored or circumvented or somehow um, disrespected, we lose the capacity to protect what we have. And that's what we're facing right now in two very, very clear scenarios that both Cora and, and I are working in. Thank you, Jennifer. And to describe to people listening what I see if I'm driving and what's been happening very rapidly and felt in a kind of way, almost an avalanche of overdevelopment, clear cutting of open spaces and land, high density development. It has felt as if I'm losing what I so deeply value. And and that's a personal value. But I think what I'm hearing from both Cora and Jennifer, who who are both deeply committed to also this place where we are all neighbors, but bring their own experience. Cora, as somebody who was the Democratic Commissioner for the Sullivan County Board of Elections and was a Sullivan County legislator in Liberty and Hurleyville, and Jennifer, who has worked for many decades as an attorney doing legal work to protect land use and the environment and open space and understands not only the law, but both of you, the inherent value and why this is something that has to be stopped before it happens. Because once it happens, there is no going back when we're talking about land use. So what I'm so interested in is this coalition building and this knowledge base that's growing throughout this county and how people are mobilizing to stop for different reasons what residents are seeing as a threat and this organizing that's happening. And there was recently a win. Maybe, Cora, we could go to you with what that is, because that, of course, represents larger and other threats that are happening and underway. Uh, so I think the core issue with what happened in Swan Lake in the town of Liberty recently is that a lot of knowledge had to be disseminated in a very short amount of time in ways that people immediately could understand the implications. By that, I mean, in May, there was a very brief presentation by a development group saying that they were submitting an application for a planned unit development, a PUD. A group of us started looking up every PUD in Westchester and Orange County and Ulster. What is it and what does it mean? Long story short, 
in places where either a planned unit development or a planned urban development has taken place is generally in a place where there's very little open space left, like Yonkers, right? So that it creates a simply an override onto existing zoning, which preserves open space, but also has mixed use, such as residential, commercial, and open space, and overrides whatever underlying zoning is there. Not in the case of Lake Hills LLC and their PUD status application, which is taking first and second growth forest, 80 acres of it adjacent to Swan Lake, and turning it into an urban environment with 180 units on a zone where only one house is supposed to be on three acres in a very fragile ecosystem. So that was the beginning of getting the message out in May. And at first people were like, well, that's over there. That's, you know, Swan Lake. We live in Ferndale or we live in Bethel. But the issue was that if that PUD, because we're fast forwarding now to uh, December, if that planned unit development application, which was a flimsy four pages of an application, had passed, it meant that anybody anywhere in the town of Liberty living in any zone, agricultural or residential, could wake up to have a high density development on their road, in their neighborhood, overriding whatever existing zoning was there, regardless of what the town comprehensive plan says, the town code says. Yes, and that's, as you're saying, Cora, regardless of what the town plan said, what the comprehensive plan said, how does one, from a legal point of view, Jennifer, tackle both what is in place and what needs to be put in place now faced with these threats? Well, as Cara explained, this was a gathering of people that had great interest in the outcome immediately, but that needed to understand the tools and the tactics that are available to them. And we worked together with some neighbors of Cora and um, other interested folks to discuss and understand the value of SEEKER, the State Environmental Quality Review Act. This is one of the most important tools that any citizen group, frankly, any municipal entity has at their disposal. It requires an evaluation of the potential for adverse environmental impacts. And it authorizes any entity that makes decisions at a government level, be it a town, a village, a county, a state, to assess a project that they are approving, granting authority to, giving a permission for, even choosing to fund, that before that final okay is given, there's an evaluation of impacts. And environmental impacts include not just soil and water, land and air, um, steep slopes and wildlife habitat, uh, recreational areas, historic resources, but community character. That's a very important component of environmental impact. So Seeker, once you understand the capacity that it provides you, this is 6NYCRR, part 617. It's something that every resident should look up and Google and look online and all of the issues in all of the areas that require this review. There's something called the type one under seeker, automatic review, no matter what it is. You, you change a zoning code subject to seeker review automatically. 
There's something called type two. Type two are not subject to seeker because they are standard operating procedure and don't have any kind of an impact because it's sort of uh, a ministerial. And then the third category is unlisted. There are things that we just don't know that come up. There are things that just aren't clearly defined, but those types of, of, of actions are discretionary for a town planning board, a zoning board, or a town board to require the type of environmental review. It's called an environmental impact statement. Um, the, the launch of Seeker, however, is through something called an EAF, Environmental Assessment Form. So you launch the process by filling out the form. It is presented to the authority, the town planning board or zoning board. They will review it and issue either a POSDEC or a NEGDEC. A positive declaration says there is the potential for adverse environmental impact. Not that they're saying there will be, but just the potential. And then that results in the requirement for the next step, which is a full out environmental impact statement. And it looks at all of the key areas. So that was the sort of most critical tool for Cora and her group, the scenic Swan Lake folks, and frankly, anyone that is concerned about the types of development that are being reviewed and or approved is to understand the seeker rights and standards that have to be complied with. There are many, many situations that are not getting the type of scrutiny that they are required to receive under seeker and residents have a capacity to bring that forward and to the attention of their elected officials. And what's Thank really you. important about what Jennifer's saying, because we had an incredible workshop with Jennifer about the whole seeker process and the town wanted to push off and approve and initially. They just wanted the town planning board to do seeker. They didn't want to deal with the PUD application in and of itself. And I said this at one of the uh, public hearings that a friend of mine said, it's as if I were to fill out an incomplete college application. The university would not accept me on the basis of something that's so incomplete. Jennifer's point is so important. Everybody should have a passing understanding of what is a state environmental review when we live in such a sensitive and valuable environment. It's unique. And once it's gone, it's not going to just reappear on its own, maybe in a, a million years. We have to value now, like she said. Thank you, Cora and Jennifer. What I'm hearing too is that there hasn't been much oversight and many decisions have been being made without that and with an assumption that the public would mostly not be present at either the town board or the planning board meetings. And then there are bills that are right now on the governors, Governor Hochul, governor of New York, on her desk. So there's a matter of urgency. What in this moment needs to happen, what people can do. So Cora's work with her group has been tremendous. The fact that a PUD was turned down and there's now three month moratoria to make sure that it's going back to the drawing board to, to qualify appropriately the types of projects that are sustainable for Liberty is a one critical example of how the, we are dealing with threats in our community. Another one is something called the Village Incorporation Law. 
This is an antiquated law. It was established in the late 1800s. And at a time when rural populations were growing, density was increasing, people were leaving the cities because there was um, automobiles that were being developed later in later decades. So communities were being created that didn't have services. So this law allows for 500 people, children and adults, to form their own village. Only 20% of those 500 people that are of voting age, qualified voters, are needed to sign a petition and submit that to their town supervisor for approval. And then there's a public referendum, a vote that goes within this new village of 500 people. And they've created a new entity with the authority to tax, to bond, to provide sewer and water, to provide police and fire, and to do all of the other municipal services, snow plow removal and, and sidewalks and lighting. Again, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, when most villages in New York State were created, this made a lot of sense. Over time, and as we've seen, towns all throughout New York State provide these services already. It's economical, they have a full administrative staff, they have trained um, and, and able um, professionals that run their programs. So what we've seen over the last 20 years, as the rest of the country has updated their village laws, we have not. And this law has instead been used by a disaffected groups of small people to take over land use controls and building requirements. It's happened all the way out in Suffolk County, Long Island. It's happening in Westchester, Rockland, and Orange County. And it's now at our back door. The town of Thompson and the town of Fallsburg both received a petition from a group of people that want to create a village called a terrace, A-T-E-R-E-S. This village has about 830 people, children and adults. There are 320 qualified voters out of this village, which means 64 people, 20% of those qualified people were all that was needed to put on a petition that was submitted to both supervisors. The law, as antiquated as it is, provides no support to supervisors to do assessments and evaluations to determine is there fiscal capacity for this new group? Uh, who will be responsible for, for those types of things that are necessary to be provided. There's no environmental review. So they had no choice but to approve this. A ruling was issued in October of this year to create a new village. At that time that this was created, Catskill Mountain Keeper, being aware of what was going on there, also seeing, again, what CORE is going through, what the folks at Columbia Hill Neighborhood Alliance, the folks at Lock Sheldrake, all throughout Sullivan County, we are experiencing proposals for unsustainable, overly dense development on steep slopes and adjacent to very critical natural areas. So Catskill Mountain Keeper launched a campaign to look into this further, and several things have been done. One, a lobbying effort has been advanced and implemented and has been incredibly successful, meaning that we've approached the governor's office, we've approached both the assembly and the Senate members that were involved in two bills that are now proposed to update this law. And just by the way, it's taken almost 20 years to get the Assembly and the Senate on the same page. This was done cross party lines with a majority of both of the houses. And these bills are now on her desk. They arrived there last night at 5 p.m. Once a bill is on her desk, it has 10 days to either be approved or vetoed. 
And we are hoping that the efforts that we put in over the last month and a half, visiting with the governor's office, visiting with various assembly people, talking to all of the local community groups, as well as the state and regional groups. We've got groups like Trout Unlimited, Open Space Institute, Scenic Hudson, American Farmland Trust, are all behind this updating of this antiquated law, because the biggest threat from this law is land use, and building codes that put human health and the environment at risk. So we are really excited that it's at her desk. We are so thankful for all of the support that's already come out. I would ask all of the listeners to look at Catskill Mountain Keeper's website. There are very easy links to just click, have your name signed, and a letter sent right to her desk. The next 10 days are critical to get this passed. And if the bills do get passed, that 500 group of people goes up to 1,500 or 2,000. And it does require a fiscal review. There is retroactivity. So even petitions like the one in a terrace, there's one in Orange County, Seven Springs. There's one in Westchester County called Edgemont. There are several of them throughout the state. All of those would be subject to these new requirements in the law. And it frankly, it brings us up to speed with the rest of the country. We are considered a minimal state review for such an important issue to create a new municipal entity that can tax and bond. That has to be something that requires a deep, comprehensive review to conclude that it is the proper next step. Most cases, it is not. Many of the villages that have been created in the last decade have dissolved because they have unanticipated the reality of costs associated with them. And we also know that the type of open space that we're looking to protect, the type of building that we're looking to support, the sustainable, is the type of things that add quality to our communities. It's not just natural assets, it's economic assets. When you have good quality open space, you've got parks and preserves, you've got clean water, you've got recreation and tourism and an ability to grow food closer to proximity of where it's consumed. That's an economic asset. And we know already that the cost of community services that go to support deeply residential development and even some commercial areas is much more than it is for open space agriculture or more conservation-related development. The dollar that is paid by a residence to a community costs the community more than a dollar, as opposed to open space agricultural lands. The dollar that is paid for lands like of that nature, it costs the community less than a dollar. So it's a positive budget item to have more open space and agricultural lands and lands that are developed in a clear and sustainable way. Thank you, Jennifer. Ora, so let's go to you and what you've learned and how this organizing came together, because that success of the proposed Lake Hills estate, the fact that it was voted down and that Liberty placed a moratorium on the PUD applications is so significant now moving forward. So for me, you know, because I'm thinking of how an individual's voice in a community resonates and has power. Well, first of all, I want to thank and credit Jennifer for a lot of her wisdom in terms of the value of recreational tourism, the value of organizing because this is not the first development that has been stopped on Swan Lake. There was another one in 2004, 
And at that time, because of all the eagles' nests that were around it, the DEC eventually took over the seeker process because the town had not gone through the seeker process correctly. From that experience and also from this current experience, as I said before, in May, I did not know what a PUD was. And now I know more about what a PUD is and the bad precedent it could set. The other thing was that people were telling me that they were in a restaurant and they heard radio and they heard Cora Edwards saying, "This, if this PUD passes, it can happen on your road. So it took radio programs like this. Independent public media and the importance of that. I'll repeat that, independent public media. And then it was literally the way I ran a campaign when I was legislator. I knocked on hundreds of doors. A lot of people weren't even aware that this was going on. So a lot of people came out of the woodwork carrying dirty clay water filters that have happened since they had a development come across their street. And everybody, it was like a big giant puzzle with everybody bringing different pieces of the puzzle to, to create a picture and tell a story of how this is deeply affecting everyone and how we keep coming back to this incredible value of the resources that we do have. Yes, yes. And this is such an important moment. And I'm wondering if you could both share with our listeners what your home here in the Catskills in Sullivan County, New York, means to you? That's a whole series right there. Okay, so first of all, my mother was a camp counselor in Camp Shadybrook in Grahamsville. And before she passed away, she passed away when she was 91. She wanted to recapture her youth. And so we said we would take her up there. And I had contacted the landowner and, and said, you know, we'd like to go back to Camp Shadybrook. You know, at that time, it was a hunting camp. But the way that that property had been preserved really took my breath away because it was just the way that she had described it. And so there had been a tremendous amount of care taken to preserve the trees, preserve the views. And what it showed me is it can be done. You can still have the natural beauty and you can still have people, you know, appreciating it. What I want to share with people is Find the like-minded people that share your values because that's how we can preserve what we all have as a common vision so that for future generations, as they did in the 1880s, create something that the future can enjoy the way we do. Thank you, Cora. Jennifer? So I too have some deep family roots here. My grandparents met at the Swan Lake Hotel Many, many years ago, my grandfather played in the orchestra at Tamarack Lodge. My grandmother was a piano player and they fell in love. And my family since then has always spent time here. My father was a waiter at Brown's Hotel. My mother was a camp counselor. I learned to fly fish as soon as I could learn how to walk on the Willow Weemock. I was blessed enough through my professional career to be able to focus in the Catskills. When I was at DEC, I did the lands and forest work at OSI. I bought lots of land up here and NRDC started a regional food program that spent a lot of time here. And 
It really is a blessing that I now live in Livingston Manor. I am encircled by forested green mountains and surrounded by two of the healthiest rivers in the country, which is rich with trout and, and, and wildlife. I see that every day. And I encourage everyone to consider us as a larger community that while the views are beautiful from our front doors or back doors, while our main streets are, are rich, while our drives are, are so enjoyable, we are a larger community. And that what happens negatively in one place could eventually and will eventually affect us in other places. So we need to support one another in the fires that we're trying to put out. We need to support larger initiatives that benefit us as a county, as a region. We really need to, to listen to what feels right within us. I think inherently as human beings, we know when we see the wrong type of development and the wrong type of future direction. And we do have capacity. We should never doubt the ability that we have as a unified front to make the changes that we want to see. Thank you, Jennifer. I've been speaking with Cora Edwards and Jennifer Grossman. Thank you both. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you so much. This was a delight. I look forward to doing more and hearing some feedback. To find out more about the Village Incorporation Laws Bill, please visit CatskillMountainKeeper.org. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artel. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. Safe travels. <laughs>